Well, starting to uh, turn into a little bit of a crowded field, and that's for Indiana's next governor. Holcomb is out. We have to have a new governor in place. And joining us right now is Curtis Hill, the former attorney general for the state of Indiana, who is running for governor. Curtis, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Casey. How are you, buddy? I'm hanging in there. So this is an interesting sure. one. We've talked about a lot of it. Came up uh, during open line some of the issues that are happening with um, you know state party politics, county party politics. Uh, you seem to have uh, the state party going after local parties when they actually censure Republicans who are not doing their job. Uh, what are we going to do with education? What are we going to do with the gender stuff that is happening right now? Which, frankly, I with education, Curtis, I blame Republican governors. They're the ones that have been appointing for a long time now. They've been appointing the Secretary of Education. So what are your campaign points, and how would you address some of those issues? Well, Casey, you raised some very interesting points. Uh, you know, I think Hoosiers are hungry for proven conservative leadership. And despite the fact that we have a Republican governor and a supermajority, a lot of people are disappointed in this, on, on the state of education, among other things. Um, and uh, one of the things that we would need to look at is um, what are we doing to, to, to help promote the quality of good teachers and separate the teachers out that uh, uh, are under the spell of the Teachers Association uh, with some of the nefarious things that are going on. These are all leadership issues, and as you pointed out, the Department of Education is not its own department anymore. It's under the, the auspices of the governor, so it requires direct leadership and engagement by the, uh, the chief executive of the state. Now, when you start running into superintendents that are skirting the law, sometimes breaking the law, and school boards who don't hold them accountable, I mean, is there anything that the governor can do to help I, I don't know, compel them to actually take action when we find out that superintendents are not adhering to the state law? Well, I think we need to, we need to understand what the, what the role of education is. We want to make sure that, that the, uh, the aspect of teaching is not lost. Um, much of what's been going on in the last uh, several years has been the indoctrination of children and the misapplication of, of teaching uh, in general. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the positives of the pandemic, if we can call it that, is that the, there was a great revelation of what was actually going on in the classroom at our, our state schools. And parents were aghast at what the children were learning and, in many cases, not learning. So uh, part of it is the, is, is the transparency of the process, understanding what's happening, and, and reconnecting with what our goals ought to be. It's not enough for Republicans to simply uh, hang on to the mantra of school choice and uh, vouchers. Uh, we have to recognize that as good of, as, uh, as good of options as those might be, there's a fair number of children who won't have that option and will be stuck in the public schools. And so it's incumbent upon us to put a lot of energy into improving our public school. That doesn't necessarily mean just throwing money at it, and that's what we've seen over the, the last several years. It means really understanding what type of curriculum that we need, uh, what we're going to do about discipline and other factors that have been uh, distracting and impacting teacher and student performance. I think it, when it comes to the student aspect of it, particularly with low-income students and minority students, especially in various other parts of the state, some somewhat here as well, but in other parts of the state probably more so, um, we've gotten to a point where the Choice Scholarship, I think it covers, what, 93 or 95% of all students in the state, but we're not quite at 100%. And we probably need to do something to make sure that parents have the ability to choose where their child goes to school while we're investing in public education and making sure the right decisions are being made, as you pointed out. So what would you do as governor to help spur school choice? 
Well, one of the things that we have to do is make sure that, that in, in keeping with making the choice that, that parents have the opportunity to actually get the kids there. It's one thing to be able to choose a school, but if you choose a school in which there's no opportunity for transportation, you're again uh, stymied. So we want to make sure that, that parents have every understanding of what's available to them and every means to be able to uh, make those choices in an appropriate manner. Now, does that mean encouraging more private schools, maybe charter schools, to pop up in areas where there are underperforming public schools so that parents have an easier time of getting those students to and from? Competition is a wonderful and necessary thing in the marketplace, and it's no meaningful choice if you don't have a variety of choices to make. So private schools, charter schools uh, have got to be a part of the mix, and public schools can't be a – uh, can't be afraid to to uh, accept those uh, challenges and even partner with some of these uh, other uh, up, up, up and coming programs. The idea is providing options for our children. We need to improve our K through 12 performance. And uh, one of the things that I'm uh, been kicking around is the idea of, in, of uh, providing the opportunity for first grade children uh, to uh, be introduced to a foreign language and uh, for them to be introduced to a second foreign language by the fourth grade. Ambitious types of academic curriculum that would uh, focus on teaching children uh, how to think as opposed to what to think and making sure that we're that we're uh, providing a classic uh, education but an education that's that's built on providing as much energy and, and exposure to um, high academic potential as we can indiana's economy has been fairly consistent fairly good i think it's one of the things that the republican party has handled decently over the past several governors. However, I do see that Indiana has some gaps. I do see that Indiana isn't as aggressive as some other states in pursuing businesses that are leaving places like California and Illinois. As governor, what would your leadership on that issue look like? Well, one of the things that we want to focus on is is recognizing what type of state we are. And we're largely a state of of small communities, uh, courthouse square type communities. And I think that's what drives Indiana. That's what people are coming back home to when they look at Indiana. So we want our, our economic development to be focused on what kind of communities we want to be. We're not competing with the Chicago's and the New York's and, and the Troubles and, and uh, different big city environments. We want to make Indiana the safest place to raise a family. We want to make Indiana the best place to start a small business. And putting those factors in place is what government's responsibility is, and then getting out of the way and allow that, allowing that to develop. So we want to look for the types of economic development opportunities that are consistent with a growth plan that focuses on uh, family development and small business uh, growth. We'll take large businesses, but the, be- the bread and butter, what, what makes Indiana uh, special and what makes it the heartbeat of the nation is the small business environment and its family uh, concentrations. Now, obviously, as an attorney general, um, being the top law enforcement official both at the, the county and the state level, what are your thoughts on what's happening with law enforcement and criminal justice in the country and also the state? Well, one of the most depressing things that's going on right now is this uh, uh, weaponization of justice. Uh, we see it particularly at the Department of Justice uh, unfolding and uh, this seemingly uh, duplicitous position of the FBI uh, and the Department of Justice um, but we've been seeing these types of things uh, for quite some time. It's, it's imperative that we, number one, support and invest in our law enforcement personnel. Uh, we've seen a decline in the hiring pools on the, uh, as a result of how police are treated. And one of the things that's absolutely mandatory is when we give a police officer 
a gun and a badge and the authority to keep us safe, even if it costs them their lives. We owe it to police officers to back them up in case uh, of, of harm that comes their way, including mistakes that may be made in the line of duty. So one of the things that we want to make sure that we do for law enforcement is protect the uh, qualified immunity that police officers enjoy uh, to be able to do their jobs. We don't want them hesitating. And it's imperative that we build up our police force um, to make sure that we do keep the public safe. Um, we don't want to be a community like uh, these large cities that have these, these Soros uh, DAs that have turned law enforcement and prosecution upside down. Um, you know, I'm a former prosecutor, and I believe heavily in accountability. Uh, and what I know is that a small number of people commit the vast majority of crime in any particular community. And if you engage in proactive law enforcement measures and investigations, you can have a serious impact on public safety, improving your public safety and decreasing crime. Um, that's one of the, the uh, hallmarks of any administration that I would put forward. And again, we're talking with Curtis Hill, former attorney general of the state of Indiana, who is also running for governor of Indiana. So, Curtis, let's say we get through this thing. You are elected the next governor. What are some of the very first things you do when you get to the governor's mansion in the state? Well, the first thing we're going to do is make sure that we look for great people who can provide service to the state of Indiana, public servants. Um, uh, one of the things that I'm doing right now, and we started after our announcement on Monday, is we started a tour around the state. Um, we uh, we started up north here and uh, went all the way down, uh, making several stops down the Ohio River in Evansville and crossed over uh, into Lawrenceburg on the uh, east side and then back up the, the east, uh, east side of the state and over to Fort Wayne earlier this afternoon. Um, one of the things that we're doing is uh, not just explaining to people why we're running, but we're listening to what people are, are, are wanting to see. And Hoosiers are interested in new, fresh leadership. So part of my responsibility over the course of the next several months is to identify uh, individuals and people who can help fill those positions. Uh, the governor's job, is it's, it's a big job. It's, it's not an, uh, an easy thing that you can just come into and pick up the, the, the reins of an executive leadership position in state government. I know that because I've been in executive leadership as the state attorney general. Uh, so it requires that you identify uh, solid public servants, people who are uh, mindful of the job that needs to be done, and who will help chop away at the bureaucracy that has become a part of Indiana's uh, government. One final question, Curtis. Um, Indiana actually has one of the higher tax burdens. I think that surprises a lot of Hoosiers when I say that. They have one of the higher tax burdens in the state or in the country. And, I, again, just, it seems to be one of those things that's surprising. You know, a lot of that, I assume, has to do with the gasoline taxes that are in place. But as governor, what are your stances on taxation and, and property values and things of that nature? We need to identify ways in which to reduce our tax burdens on uh, particularly seniors, but all Hoosiers. Uh, it seems that we have uh, had a successful ability to sock away money over a period of time, and that's a good thing. But if you're socking away money, uh, tax money, over a period of time and accumulating that money, that's the people's money. Uh, so we need to restructure. It's not enough to just simply uh, from peri uh, periodically go back and write checks to people and giving them a refund. We need to understand what it is that we're, that we're intending to pay for, what we need to pay for, and restructure the process so that we can make our tax situation, property tax, income tax, fair. Certainly we want to be uh, in a position where uh, the tax burden is as little as possible, but in keeping with providing the standards that Hoosiers come to expect. And even greater uh, services. I mean, a lot of the money that we use goes into the education system, and yet the education system turns out uh, a failure after failure after failure. 
So we need to evaluate what's the proper uh, cost of services and uh, especially superior services. And it's not always a matter of putting more money in and getting a better result. So we need to be very, very uh, frugal with our funds and hopefully find ways in which we can reduce the tax burden on all Hoosiers. Curtis Hill, how can people learn more about your campaign and get in contact with you? Well, you can check out CurtisHill.com. It's pretty simple, CurtisHill.com. We have great information on there uh, on the beginning of our campaign where we've started to outline some various issues. We'll be adding to that over a period of time. Um, but if you want to get involved with us, uh, there's, a, there's a section in there to volunteer, to donate, um, to contact us with questions and information. Again, we're in a listening mode. Uh, it's a long campaign process, and we want to make sure that we uh, take into consideration all of the interests of Hoosiers about what it takes to uh, live and, and work in a beautiful state of Indiana. Again, Curtis Hill, Republican candidate for governor. Thank you for your time today, man. Best of luck. Thank you, Casey. We'll see you soon. Sounds good. All right. Again, CurtisHill.com is the website to learn more. I want to thank Curtis for his time this afternoon. Again, all candidates, welcome on the program. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and the all-new MNC Nation.